You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now, here's your host, Brian Matiash, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 19. We have Novem Decupold, our episode output. Novem Decupold, you say? Or I don't know. Novem Decupold. Amazing. What's on today's show? All right, so on today's show, the first topic, this is an interesting one. Uh, So Sharky shares a lot of stuff on his Instagram stories. And if you're not following him on Instagram, at LensShark, which is two S's, right, Sharky? Correct. So L-E-N-S-S-H-A-R-K. And so one of the stories that he shared like last week was uh, he asked a question about uh, what people's or, you know, photographers, how has 2017 been for them in terms of quality and quantity and just kind of general growth. So the results there were interesting. We're going to talk about that. And then the second one, you may or may not have heard of this little tiny fruit named company called Apple, but they were in deep water. And while this isn't per se, you know, like photography related, I do think it's important to talk about. I think it's an interesting topic that can draw parallels a lot of different ways. But uh, yeah, they um, they have had to come out and state that they are intentionally throttling performance due to battery issues on older phones. And now they're hit with multiple class action lawsuits. So that's that, Sharky. That, and we also have an annual listener survey at the end of the year. I do this on my show. So go to bit.ly.com slash NNPS survey. It's just six questions. It's from our media host, Libsyn. We get to know you guys a little bit better and be able to serve you a lot better. And so it'll ask you for your email address. You don't have to give it. You can remain completely anonymous. So that's bit.ly.com, B-I-T-L-Y.com slash NNPS survey. And of course, that link will be in our show notes at nonamephotoshow.com. So don't worry about that. And the other thing that I wanted to bring up, I'm surprised, Sharky, you didn't take up on your other show, which is the Petapixel Photography Podcast, but that is your other show that you do your survey on. So I'm throwing you a solid Sharky. Thank you so much. A solid Sharky is better than a liquid Sharky. And especially better than a gaseous one. Well, I don't know what to say about that. That's kind of odd, but could that be possibly like a a dad joke? But even though I'm I'm not a dad, you have dogs, it counts. Fair enough. All right. So Sharky, first story. Uh, Again, we, I talked about this story that you put up on Instagram. And for those of you that aren't aware, stories on Instagram are these, it's kind of like Instagram blatantly ripped the premise of uh, Snapchat, but you can post these short, uh, like 10 second, either text-based, photo-based stories, and they they disappear after 24 hours. And one of the newer features that they implemented a couple, call it two months ago, was polls. So you can ask a question, right, Sharky? And then you can give two options that someone can vote on. So Sharky, what was the what was the story that you put out? So what I asked was, when it comes to your photography, 2017 has been, and the choices were great or meh, and 59% of people said great, but still 41%. So that's four out of 10 people, 4.1. Those, four, those 0.1 people, by the way, avoid them at all costs because they're just completely broken, but Four out of 10 people said, meh. And so what I did is I said on there, when I shared the results, I said, we need to work on this. And I did the little sad face because I feel the same way. In 2017, I didn't do as much photography as I had done even in 2016. That's been mostly the popularity of the show, my show, the Petapixel Photography Podcast, family things, etc. The photography that I did do, I was happy with, but I need to do more. So I don't feel like I'm in the meh category as far as time behind the camera, definitely. But as far as quality photography, you know, I've been doing this for a while. So I know what I'm doing when I'm behind the, you know, it's like when you hop in the car, 
You're not like, oh, I'm horrible driving today. You've done it for a while. So, but still, there's, you know, 40% of the audience out there. I've got like almost 22,000 followers on Instagram. They were not super happy with their photography. And I solicited their answers too. I asked them, like, you know, why? And so we got a number of replies. Yeah. I remember when uh, you shared the story of the results, the one that says we need to work on this. That's when I reached out and I was like, this is a great topic because, again, end of year people, you can look at it two different ways. I tend to look at the end of the year as an important milestone where it's like a big reset button and I could set milestones for myself. Um, You know, I made a a post on my own blog where I shared uh, my 2018 kind of photography and business resolutions that I really want to focus on. And so I think you're right, 41%, that's not a nominal figure. That's almost half of the people who responded are saying that they're just not feeling uh, like 2017, an entire calendar year. Imagine how many things people get done in a calendar year. But if they're saying that it hasn't been very prolific, you know, that's an important thing. And so maybe we can kind of think of, talk about some of the responses, which is awesome that you got some responses, but then also um, maybe talk about ways to, to make the next year a little bit better. Absolutely. Because, you know, the risk that you get into is that you spend all this money on your gear. And if you're just not feeling it, then, you know, you feel really badly. Like I spent $3,000 on some gear that I'm not using. I could have, you know, I really could have put that into a boat, could really have thrown it away, <laughs> Yeah, you know, or anything else. So the fact that 41% of the people that responded were just not feeling it was like shocking. I didn't think it was going to be that high. So then, Sharky, why don't you um, go through some of your, you got some of these responses, and maybe if you want to pick a handful and just talk about what the gist of what they, the responses were in terms of why they haven't felt like 2017 was a, a great year. So some of the people that responded, they responded the same way I did in that I didn't get out as much to shoot as possible. And so you, you don't feel like you're as much of a photographer, right? I mean, you're not, if you're not doing photography, you're not doing photography. It's, you know, self-defining. So a number of people didn't get out as much. And so they were feeling badly about that. They had, you know, family issues. They had just work-related issues. And it's hard sometimes. I mean, when you're doing the 40 hours a week or more, and in my case, I'm doing I'm doing 14, 16-hour days, right? So it's hard to get out, especially this time of year when it's cold. The door is frozen shut. No, just feels like that mentally. And uh, I'm looking forward personally to 2018 because I need to make an effort to get out there more and shoot. Now, I used to talk about how in love with shooting sports I was before. I'm over it. I'm just not feeling shooting sports anymore. I don't think I've talked about that on my show. I just I'm over it. Wow. Since I have less time than ever to shoot, I'm thinking, what do I really I've I've assessed? What what do I really want to shoot? Okay. And it's not sports. I want to do more portraits. So I'm starting a portrait. I've already started a portrait project and I've, you know, started with my family. I think that, and I've told a number of the people this that responded because they were wanting to do the same thing too. They're like, what should I shoot? Like, I don't know. Start with portraits. I think everyone deserves to have a good portrait. You know, why not look back and see a really good photo of yourself from when you're younger? You know, something to put on your gravestone to be etched in there, right? You know, like people's families, whether you can afford it or not, deserve to have a solid photo of somebody, of their loved one. That's why the Help Portrait Project exists. And a lot of people have, you know, taken off on that. Volunteer and do a portrait project. Yeah. You know, and then you've got the people talking about the photographers that will say, well, you shouldn't do work for free. Well, not everybody can hire a photographer. So for those that can't, that might be a good place to start. Yeah. And actually, the with 
regards to that, one of the things that I remember bringing up when we had Tamara Lackey on a previous episode, the second topic of that episode was about, you know, how to deal with family and friends who want you to photograph them for free. One of the things that I would recommend, because I agree with you, portraits is for me, I know it's definitely challenging, but you can always, instead of asking for payment, you can always just have them sign a model release and use the photos as stock. You know, assuming that the photos are, are, you know, stocky kind of photos, meaning that they're somewhat generic enough to be used or, you know, and, and accepted. They're really thick, husky photos is what you're saying. They're really stocky. Oh, my God. Oh, sharky. God. And you know what? Then I get messages and tweets and emails from people that love your dad jokes. And it just, you know, can you hear the disappointment in my voice? <laughs> It's our show. There's the tuples. There's the dad jokes. But yeah, you've got to have like some kind of value trade. So if you're shooting them for free, you know, get something out of it. They may or may not want to sign a model release and that's fine. But that's fine. If anything, it's practice. You will get better and then you'll get to the point where you can that your paying clients will offset the your personal work that you do. Yeah. And the, the reason why I bring up stock, though, is because at the very least, it's a it could be a form of I don't know if it's incremental, but it's definitely kind of passive income. You just upload stuff and there you go. And not to put too fine a point on it, but in the show notes, what I'll do is I'll link to, I have this really great little app on my iPhone. I think it's called Easy Release. And I work primarily with Stocksy. That's my the stock agency that I upload to. It allows me to copy the entire, the model release, the verbiage, and it stores it there. And then all you do is you, you, you start a new shoot. You put the information of the model in, and then they can use their finger to sign on your screen, and then it generates a PDF. And it's totally legit. Um, Stocksy supports it. But with regard, I can totally get the kind of, in terms of 2017, I'm right there with you. I would have voted Matt. In fact, I'm, I think I did. Um, like, I'm looking at Lightroom Classic right now. Since 1996, in my Lightroom catalog has 208,000 433 records. So in 2017, I shot, and then we're pretty much over, you know, uh, we're airing this the day before Christmas, or recording this the day before Christmas, we're going to air it the day after Christmas. And 2017, I'm done. I shot 6,567 images. That is the lowest amount since 2008. 2008, I shot 16,000. In 2007, I shot 5,000. So essentially in almost a decade, the the fewest amount of photos I've shot. And that is something that has weighed on me a lot as a photographer and as a you know working photographer. So what you're saying, Sharky, resonates in terms of like, you know, finding a project in, in, even if it's just in the backyard. Like I need to remember that it's like, it's okay if it's not this big grand trip. To the Grand Tetons. To the Grand Tetons, exactly. I thought you were tea-tying it up for me there. I was, kind of, a, and you did a nice job of picking it up. You, you, you do a good job of finishing up the alley-oop. Here's the, here's the thing. A lot of people that responded, and I just feel it out there in general, you know, from talking to photographers across the whole year, is that they get disappointed when they go out there and shoot, and they're not, they don't have award-winning photos. You're yes. not going to. Most yeah. of your photos are going to suck, and that's okay. That's how you get better. Yeah. You know, your first few images out of the camera aren't going to be great necessarily. When you start a portrait project, it's going to look horrible. Someone's going to have a nasty shadow across their face and you're going to have to solve these problems. But that's part of the fun of photography. Just go into it with low expectations. Seriously. Yeah. Don't put too much pressure on yourself, especially if you're not doing this for money and, you know, you're not feeding your family this way. Just have fun. Just go out and practice, practice, practice. You know, the old saying, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. That's seriously how it is. 
Go listen to my early episodes. I said this on, on episode 240 of the Petapixel Photography Podcast. If you go listen to my old show, even go listen to episode one of my show, the current show. It's horrible. Go listen to the 40 episodes of the Lens Shark Photography Podcast. Horrible. You would never think that that guy would be where he is today, three years later now, and 280 whatever you know combined episodes. How do you get there? Practice. Yeah. And for even in terms of like, I don't know if we want to call it the disenchantment or the lack of inspiration. I get that. Trust me. I also get, I mean, because practicing, you need to have some sort of inspiration to want to go out and practice. And so I always recommend a few different kind of options, one of which is something that I tend to forget sometimes, but when I am reminded, I'm really happy. And that is I grab my infrared camera. What I mean by this is just try something different. If you're, if you've had your, you know, ultra wide angle lens, you know, slapped on your camera for the past month or two for the past, you know, several shoots, go put on a, a, go rent a lens baby or go rent a, you know, go, go put on your telephoto, try something completely different. You're going to see literally in a, in a different way. And then also things, like I said, like an infrared camera, I, uh, my original Sony a seven, rather than sell it, I had it converted. I had an infrared filter applied directly onto the sensor and it is challenging and it's, you know, only it, it has very specific use cases, but when I do use it, I love it. And it just kind of refreshes me. It makes me feel good. Um, so, so yeah, that's, you know, Sharky, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And also there's the funk buster that you always mm-hmm. talk about. You could use that as well, but if you want to get out of your funk, you know, we've covered that ad nauseum and other people were having problems with, you know, they didn't have the time to get to editing the photos that, so they had the time to shoot it, but they didn't have the time to go through their catalog and edit it. And that's also my problem as well. I have tons of photos from shoots that I've done that I haven't been able to go through and edit. And that's been frustrating. So I'm going to make some time in 2018 to get to those and to post more of those on social media. You know, a lot of people are having problems with that and they're discouraged because they're out there shooting and they're not editing the photos. And so it's like the photo doesn't exist. It does, but it doesn't exist as, you know, as far as they put it online. So, you know, and this is a very real thing. In a way, you're almost kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't. You know, if you shoot a lot, then that's great. But then you don't have time to edit. If you don't shoot a lot, then you don't have anything to edit. This is why I am making this migration over to from Lightroom Classic to Lightroom CC, because the way I'm going to approach it is in these kind of in in small bite-sized ways, meaning the first thing that you have to do, or at least you should do, is call your photos. And Right now with Lightroom Classic, pretty much anyone who's around, you know, who's using that or any program, you're confined to your desktop. So that kind of sucks because you're sitting in front of your desktop and sometimes you just, you know, you want to be in, you know, your rec room with your your family watching TV. The reason why I'm, I, I'm excited about migrating over and this migration, I'll, I'll detail this migration in another way, probably in a video or something, but it's going to take a long time. But I can just be sitting on my lazy boy with my iPhone or my iPad and there is every photo I've ever taken because now every photo gets synced to the cloud and I can just do the culling there, you know, just passively. And then when I get back, I can filter and do my edits. So my point is photographers should start evaluating or reevaluating how they manage their photo workflows. If it is indeed like you're saying, Sharky, that people just don't have the time. Well, that that is a problem because for me, there's no point in taking a photo unless you're going to share it. It doesn't mean you have to share every one of them, but at some point you have to go through, call your photos, find the best ones, edit them, prep them to share, and then share. Sometimes I'll go through my old Lightroom catalog and I'll find photos. I'm like, oh my God, I totally cannot believe I, in on one hand, it's, it's kind of like finding a, a lost little you know treasure, but the other, it makes me upset. They're like, man, I wanted to share this photo and I just didn't get a chance. Photos are meant to be seen, literally. What's the point of taking a photo if you don't want somebody to look at it, even if it's you? 
So it's just a matter of finding the time, and that just takes some discipline and planning and such. But I don't know. I think, did we beat this topic to death? I think we probably did. I mean, I think uh, hopefully it gave people some ideas. And, uh, you know, it's a good, I'm glad that we put this in the forefront. I think, again, that the poll that you put is a really good one. It's a timely poll. And if anything, you know, guys and girls, hit us up. Use um, hashtag AskNNPS, A-S-K-N-N-P-S on Twitter. Let us know what you think. If, the, you know, if you guys have uh, your own stories that you want to share or like tips on how you're planning on making 2018 better, we'd love to hear it. And so, Sharky, yeah, thanks for, for getting that story out there. That was really good. I think a lot of people needed to hear that. So, Sharky, you're an iPhone user, right? And actually, you're a prime candidate right here, right? I am the candidate for this next topic. So this was on, I'm actually going to Twitter right now to your, because I, I, I think you put a poll up just uh, just yesterday or something. Yeah. So, okay, just to give people an idea or to clue you in in case you haven't heard. Last week on Reddit or earlier this week, a Reddit user made a post basically saying that he updated his iPhone uh, to the latest version of iOS 11 and has noticed that it has slowed down significantly. You know, that caught the eye of other people who started doing benchmark tests. And lo and behold, even though Apple never, you know, everyone, this has been kind of like assumed in the tech industry for years that Apple has been slowing their phones. No one's ever acknowledged it, but these benchmarks clearly showed the clock speeds of the processors on older phones like Sharky's. Sharky, you have a, what do you have? I have a six plus and it has definitely slowed down over time. You know, the battery degrades over time. So this is understandable. And since I updated to iOS 11 a week ago today, I regret it because it's even slower. It obviously needs more CPU cycles and such. And it's it's struggling. You hit Instagram, you know, the icon or anything. This is after a fresh restart. Thousand one, thousand two, thousand three, sometimes thousand four. And then it launches. That's unworkable. And so what I mentioned on my show on episode 240 of the Petapixel Photography Podcast is when I swipe left from the main screen to get to the camera, I need the camera to be there. Moments are fleeting. They're going by. And if I have to wait for it to you know, come up so I can take a picture, that's a huge fail right there. And so I have a dilemma now. Right. And so to summarize with that story, so Apple, the report showed that these clock speeds were being reduced and Apple was kind of in a place where they had to respond, which they did. And they they acknowledged like, you know what? Of course, in the wake of this story breaking, all these kind of clickbait, nefarious, you know, rumor mongering stories came out where Apple, you know, see, Apple is forcing you to upgrade. Well, sort of. They're not doing it, in my opinion, in a nefarious way. Apple came out and said, all right. And Sharky just said this. Listen, batteries degrade over time. Lithium-ion batteries degrade over time. And what happens is as software becomes more and more powerful, it needs more and more powerful processors. And as a processor runs these powerful apps, its clock speed needs to be high. These older batteries, when a processor spins up, meaning or when it, when it starts churning processes, it sometimes can cause spikes in the battery. And that's a problem. An iPhone, older iPhone, if the iPhone detects a spike in the battery, it's going to shut the phone down to prevent it from damaging. So what Apple is doing is they're essentially throttling. They're slowing down the processor so that it can't possibly cause enough of a, I guess, a strain that it would cause a battery spike. And they also said that for you can replace the battery. You can put a, If you put a new battery in the phone, problem solved. Or at least you're back to the quality of your phone, the original six. It's not like you're going to get the speeds of an iPhone 10. Here's a real world example. So good friend of mine, Jeff Harmon, he has another podcast, the Photo Taco podcast, and he replaced the battery in his six plus. And I'm looking, he just told me this earlier today. He was getting 890 megahertz on the CPU before he replaced the battery. And even when the battery's at like 90% charge and stuff, he's getting 1.4 gigahertz, which is the full speed out of the factory when you originally got your six plus. 
Yeah, and so what Sharky's talking about when he's talking about, you know, 900 megahertz or 1.4 gigahertz, that's the clock speed that Apple was slowing down intentionally. So he has like not quite double the performance, but kind of a significant performance improvement, right, uh, Sharky? Absolutely. And so here's what I said in my show on that episode 240 is I'm thinking about replacing the battery. But if I do that, will iOS 11 run quickly enough on it? Or am I going to be like, well, it's faster, but I really what I should have done is put that money into getting an iPhone 10 or the 8 plus, which is what you put on your Twitter poll. Exactly. So, so far, as of this moment, with still six days left in the poll, 269 people have voted. And the choices were replace the battery, which is about $79. If you go to the Apple store, you can do it cheaper. Uh, 55% of people said replace the battery. 22% said get the iPhone 8 Plus, because I like the bigger phone. And 23% said get an iPhone 10. I voted for the iPhone 10. You vote for the iPhone 10. I did. I see my check mark. See, I own, and one of the options also is that you can get a kit from ifixit.com. They're not a sponsor, but you know, you can go tinker with your Mac, your iPhone, whatever at your own risk. So I'm thinking about doing that just, you know, I've got that experience. I can have that experience. I have something to talk about. It's something interesting to do, right? Or do I replace the, just, ha- you know, get the battery replaced somewhere and see how it is. I don't need to get the new iPhone. We used to be on the two year cycle, you know, every two years and it was a natural thing. Sure, but where this kind of comes in for photographers, it's twofold. You made the first point, meaning for photographers who are like you, who don't necessarily, who enjoy mobile photography, but don't buy into the annual or biannual upgrade cycle, that is a very legitimate concern where you, you wake your phone and you swipe, you know, you won't go to swipe left to bring the camera and it's seconds before it is up and now your moment is gone, especially if you're shooting, you know, your kids or something, whatever, something that requires quick access photographing your kids never shoot your kids right and then (laughs) the other thing is listen again as photographers a lot of these cameras maybe not necessarily from like the seven to the eight but definitely from the six to the eight or the six to the ten there are some significant advancements in the optics in the processing things like portrait mode on the front and back things like optical image stabilization on both lenses with the iphone 10 so what you're saying is in three years time technology has actually advanced Yes. And so this is why I'm saying it could be a consideration for our audience in terms of, all right, so Apple is throttling things down. What would some of the reasons be other than face ID, things that aren't necessarily photo related? But I do think that there are some values to to upgrading is specifically talking about your poll. You know, a lot of people are ticked off about this and it's a reason to bash Apple. But if you understand the technology, you understand that the batteries degrade and you have to do this. So here's the thing. I could replace my battery and then I've just got three years old technology. I don't have the faster CPUs. I don't have, you know, that A, what an A6, A7 chip, whatever. So <laughs> A11. A11, whatever it's on now. A- it's called Bionic. Whatever. So I would be having the old tech. So, okay, let's play this out. I get the battery replaced, cost me 80 bucks or whatever. Yep. And how long do I keep the phone? For another year, for another two years? So then I've got a phone by the end of finally replacing it. I've had it for four or five years. Well, maybe that's not a good thing. Maybe I need speed. I'm always talking about how I don't have enough time. The faster phone would let me get stuff done faster, which would then has a benefit. Absolutely. And that's that's totally true. Um, also, it has larger capacity. You can get these phones with 256 gigs of storage. I think 
I can't remember, but you know, compared to 32, I mean, this was the six, I think came in a 16 gigabyte option, which is, you know, just, just laughable by today's standards. So there are some reasons at the end of the day, though, absolutely. A lot of people are upset with Apple. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, pundits had, you know, especially Android pundits and just kind of trolls had their perfect soapbox to stand on to say, you know, see, we told you Apple was doing this. The only difference is that Apple is the only one that came out and actually acknowledged it. No one's no one knows whether other companies are doing this already. And that's the the thing that would have been really great is if Apple just kind of was a little bit more transparent up front and gave the user the option. Like Sharky, if you like turn your phone on one day and it's a prompt comes up that says, hey, you know, we have detected your battery performance is degrading. Do you want to turn this on to prolong the life of your phone? Boom, you know, but to just do it without. And because of this, they're getting hit with multiple class action lawsuits, Apple, you know, and, and rightfully so. They need a pop-up that says, would you like your battery to go to zero, your phone to shut off immediately? If so, click this button, because that's what will happen. Yeah, it's just one of, there's no avoiding kind of the laws of thermodynamics and batteries, and that's just the way it is. You can't blame Apple, because if you blame Apple, you have to blame every other manufacturer who's using lithium-ion batteries, which is pretty much everyone. And be thankful that we're not in the nickel, metal hydride, or NICAD days of batteries for for these kinds of things, because the phones would be gigantic. And heavy. So here's here's what it comes down to. Figure on, you know, as photographers, if you want that speed, if you want to be able to swipe left or whatever and get to the camera, you're going to be replacing your camera or the battery every two years. And if you replace the battery, then you've got the old technology still for a little bit longer. So there's that. It's just something you're going to have to accept because of the limits of the technology. So yep, there you go. So that's that. Sharky. What? Are you going to ask me? I know what you're going to ask me. Watch. I'm Nostradamus here. What's on my gear shelf? It's like you took the words out of my mouth. It's so weird. I've only done this like 19 times now. All right. So what's on my gear shelf? And I talked about this on my show a long time ago is the I've been a big fan even before they advertised on my show. Coupo Grip. So CoupoGrip.com. You know, there's coupoles that go floor to ceiling, wall to wall, etc. All kinds of different options. If you want to spend two hours looking at some like really fun stuff that you might not know even exists, go to CoupoGrip.com. Spell that. K-U-P-O grip G-R-I-P dot com. So my pick is the seven foot mini click light stand. I talked about this on my show. When you're doing shoots, so I did a lot of portraiture in the past. I'm doing more of it now. When you need to get your gear from your car to wherever you're shooting, carrying three light stands is not fun. You will drop them. It's awkward. You will embarrass yourself in front of your client, your family, your friends, whatever. So these click together. They literally click together. So you've got essentially one item to carry, not three. And so they're, I can't remember how much they are, like 70 bucks or so. I think they're $70. Yeah. Yeah. So they're air cushioned. So they're not going to bite your fingers, you know, as they, as your flash comes. That's another thing too. Your flash, whatever you have atop that light stand, usually a flash is not going to come crashing down. An abrupt stop and electronics do not mix. You don't want that. So this will keep that from happening. And they click together. They're great. So they, you can configure them in a couple different ways. You can put them behind your door when you're done. You can They stand up. If you have one light stand, that's going to fall over at some point. It's just going to. There's not enough real estate at the base to keep it from not being wobbly. So if you have two or three, you have a little bit wider of a base, a little bit longer of a base. You have a better chance of it staying put. And then also you can get a you can put like a guitar strap on it or they sell a strap. You can click it and, you know, put it over your bandolier style, pretend like you're Chewbacca of the photography world. I don't know. Whatever. It's fun. 
If you're going to have to get light stands anyhow, buy a good one. Get ones that are going to click together and so you have less to carry. It's a good thing. Cool. Yeah, and I will say I, I have light stands uh, and I've used them for mostly for setting up my lights in my in my home office for video stuff. And it's a pain. Like I have them all sitting there and I, I, I stare at them before I pick them up because you can never really just hold them all comfortably. Or if you put them under your arm, it always kind of wobbles around. So cool pick. I do enjoy that. So what's on your gear shelf? All right. So what's on my gear shelf? This is actually a piece of gear that I used quite heavily last week when I was in, in uh, Tokyo. So uh, I mentioned that I, I now shoot with, I've upgraded my cameras to the A7, Sony A7R Mark III and the Sony A9. And one of the my favorite kind of uh, upgrades to both of those cameras is the fact that they both support, in addition to having two SD card slots, uh, slot one supports the new faster UHS-2 format. And you'll know anyone out there if you have a UHS-2 SD card, because if you look on the back, there's like a second row of contacts. Normally, SD cards have this one row of contacts at the bottom. The UHS-2 has a second row right behind it. And you can put that SD card in any SD card reader and it'll work fine. However, they have SD card readers that are kind of made, optimized for UHS-2, and it'll essentially, it'll copy files from the card to your computer or, you know, whatever, your laptop at a faster rate, which is, to me, is pretty important. You, you want to get those photos off the SD card, onto your drive, backed up, ready to go. So my pick on my gear shelf for this week is made by Kingston. It's called the Mobile Light G4, and it's a it's an SD card and a micro SD card reader, and it's a USB. It's a it's small. It's about the it's a bit a little bit larger than the size of maybe like two or three SD cards stacked on top of each other, and it's a USB 3.1, and it's a regular USB A port outlet. It's a you know uses a USB A connector, and the great thing is that when I insert my SD card, which is UHS2 compatible, uh, it works great. Now I have a, a MacBook Pro, so when I was traveling, I have a MacBook Pro with a Touch Bar, so I, it also works with a USB A to USB C adapter, which I have to use unless I, you know, have an, a dongle thing going on. But all in all, I highly recommend it. If if you, so, here's the way I see it: you've invested multiple thousands of dollars in a camera, and then the SD cards I use are made by Sony. No, it's not because I shoot. Sony cameras that I use Sony cards, but currently Sony makes the fastest UHS-2 SD cards and they are ridiculously expensive. I mean, I used to miss the days of the old 128, you know, being able to use 128 gig cards at like $60 a pop. These are like $250 a pop, which is expensive. So you've invested in that. You might as well get a reader that takes advantage of that. So these SD, Sony SD cards read and write at 300 megabytes per second. And I want my SD card reader that I used to offload the photos to, to write them quickly too so that's my pick Turkey. you know what's really frustrating that's a great pick by the way is when camera companies put uh two card slots in there of different speeds uh-huh why how much more was it gonna add 20 dollars more to the camera to make them both compliant with the faster speed that's ridiculous so shame on sony i think that's something that a lot of a lot of camera users probably overlook like if you you have to look uh, other than reading the manual but you have to look on the door the sd card door and it shows slot one uhs2 slot two is uhs1 so imagine how many i wonder how many people they go out and they buy two of these fast cards when unfortunately the second slot is not taking advantage of that and it's your weakest link right there so it's going to slow you down right yeah, if you have it mirroring, it will slow you down. Uh, you know, I have mine currently set to as a kind of like a, a fallover. So when slot one gets full, it goes to slot two, uh, mostly because I don't want to jinx myself, but it's been a long, long 
long time since I've had any sort of SD card corruption. So I'd rather have the extra space. That means it's going to happen to you now. Exactly. I had it happen recently to one of my cards. It was a Lexar. So that's not fun. No. Especially when you when you pay the big bucks for it. But yeah, but these camera companies that do these, you know, alternating slots, like it's one thing to have XQD in one, like my Nikon D500, XQD and an SD card slot. But if you have an A9 or whatever and you're shooting, and that has two card slots, but and they're not the same type, right? No. One's faster, one's slower. So yes. if you want the top speed, you got to shoot only to that fast one. Yes. If you're shooting to the fast one and having it also mirror to the other one, you're slowing down, right? Yeah. If you're mirroring or once that first card slot gets full and you're using the second card slot, you're you're downgrading. So just something to consider. I don't get it. I don't I'm with you. I think it's partially cost and I think it also might have to do with heat and that sort of thing too. So there's got to be a good reason why they're doing it. We should talk to a Sony tech about that. It's just I don't know. I don't it's it's goofy. It is. It, it, it is. And I don't want unsuspecting users to feel like they're putting a $250 card in there and, and getting the performance of, you know, a $60 card. So it's like years ago when people would buy an HD TV thinking that that gives them HD when they don't have service coming in through the wall or over the air. That's HD. So it's like that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right. So anyways, I think this is this was a good show. Don't you think so? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I, I do hope on a personal level that, that our first topic resonates with people and makes 2018 a good year. Make some effort. I'm going to do it, too. I need to free up some time. Like adding another podcast helped me. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Brian. You know, hey, listen. Um, And then this is that we're having a good time. Yeah. Thank you for thanks for that little disclaimer, Sharky. We are having a good time. Um, But I, I also this is our last episode of 2017. I just looked at the calendar to make sure. Sharky, you know, it's a day before Christmas, so so I hope you have a Merry Christmas, and uh, I, I look forward to uh, an episode in 2018 to you and to our audience. It's been a great year, and by a great year, I mean the last 19 episodes. So what was it? We launched this in August. It's already one of the most listened to photography podcasts out there. That's because of all you guys listening, and we thank you so much. Join us in 2018. We're not going anywhere. We'll be bigger and better than ever. Yeah, we're going to be starting the year off with episode 20. Nice round number. Nice. And so last thing, just a reminder, guys, if you can please go to bit.ly.com slash NNPS survey, it's two S's. The information you provide uh, is is very helpful to us, believe it or not. We, it gives us a lot of information. So uh, please take just you know 30 seconds and, and do that. And with that. And with that what? And with that. And with that, we're going to uh, clap it out. Is that what you want to say? Well, that and I want, I want to wish our audience a, a really happy holiday and a happy new year. We should also tell people where to find us. Uh, Petapixel.com slash podcast for the Petapixel Photography Podcast. I'm Lens Shark. Don't forget the two S's in there. Pretty much everywhere on social media. Everybody can find you at Matias.com. M-A-T-I-A-S-H.com. And what are you on social media? Brian Matias. B-R-I-A-N-M-A-T-I-A-S-H on all the socials. Nice. All right. Let's clap it out. Let's do it. Here we go. One two nice nice love you brother love you too dude bye bye thanks so much for listening to the no name photo show sharky and i would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend so how about we do this again in the next episode yeah let's do that mm-hmm.